Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready too. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking this morning at Romans chapter 7 and how Romans chapter 7 can give us new covenant nonsense. And I'm going to do a little bit of the naughty things. You know, like when you read the last page of a book before starting the novel, I'm going to do that and tell you that actually this chapter, all it is about is to convince us that sanctification or the process of being transformed like Christ, okay, that is actually cannot be achieved by the law but only by the Spirit. This is the whole point of the chapter. So if you remember one point, you know, when you walk out of the door today, is that actually I cannot be transformed by the law and following moral codes. I need to live by the Spirit. That's the whole thing. And then let's unpack that. So first of all, uh, Jimmy, you can change my slide. Thank you. Um, this is one of the hardest chapters in the Bible, theologically speaking. And I'm so aware of that, so I'm coming to that with quite a lot of humility, okay? But I have, I have done work, right? So I'm not just trying to pull out a couple of comments. I have done work on this because I know it's really, really, really a hard chapter. Is it, have you read it during the week? Yeah, if you've read it, you should be a little confused. This is, would be normal to read it and say, oh, hold on, what, what, what chapter seven is doing after chapter six? It's, it's just weird, it's a little weird, okay? So first of all, let me tell you that we have a little bit of problem of translation on this chapter. And you know, we have seen last week, Tim has very well explained that our old sinful nature is gone and that we have received a new nature in Christ. Everybody's clear on this? Yeah? Now the problem is some translation translate the Greek word sucks for flesh by sinful nature. So sometimes it's a little bit clunky because you know instead of reading uh, something in your flesh, this is sinful nature. And you have a little note in your Bible, say all flesh, or so it's a little confusing. So especially the, the, the NIV, uh, some translations say, um, you know, chapter 7, verse 26, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, slave to the law of sin. But actually, everybody would agree now, you should read, but in my flesh I serve sometimes the law of sin. Okay, so it's, it's clunky. So bear with that. This is a little word of warning that sometimes the translation is not helping us to understand the passage. Second problem, uh, which actually is a problematic, a lot of theologians do not completely agree on how to interpret the passage. Okay, and through an act of history, there has been a lot of issues about what does Paul mean when he describes this struggle with sin, you know, from um, uh, the verse later on, I think it's 25. Uh, what, what does he mean when he says, in my mind, I follow God, but in my flesh, I do not do what I want, you know, that, that thing, that turmoil. So, so then we left with this sensation. What does it mean? Does it mean I'm still left to sin? Or, or, or uh, is there like a, a battle between good and evil and I'm like a little bit like Dr. Jack Harl and Mr. Hyde? And you know, and sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not good, and you know, uh, am I victorious? Or you know, you read that and you're like completely confused. You say, well, what, what is the Christian calling all of this? 
Okay, let me reassure you. <laughs> Thankfully, chapter 7 does not stand on its own. When we come to chapter 7, we've got to look at the overall argument. And guess what? And thank God, chapter 7 comes after chapter 5 and 6. And it comes before chapter 8. Duh. Okay? So in chapter 5, you have, we are justified by faith and we burst in the hope of glory. We are reconciled by God and with God. And chapter 6, our old self was crucified with Christ. We are free from sin and now slave to righteousness, not under the dominion of sin. It's very important to remember that, to understand the rest. Okay? So when we come to chapter 7, the solely the solar purpose of chapter 7 is to demonstrate that the law is useless for your transformation. It's useless. And Paul is going to demonstrate that. Because chapter 8 is talking about the solution. And the solution is, there, there's no condemnation. The law of sin and death has got absolutely no, no, uh, you know, no banning you. You walk to live by the Spirit, and by the Spirit you're victorious, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. You see? So you cannot take chapter 7 by itself. Otherwise, you will not understand it. Okay? So when we come to read at this very difficult bit about the flesh, you know, Romans 7, 18, 25, with this struggle about sin, we've got to remember that our old nature has gone and the new has come and we are not longer slave to sin. And we need to try to understand what Paul, why did Paul wrote that? Paul, come on, why did you write that then? Okay, well, it is about the law not able to change us, but... He's doing that because he wants to launch into the solution that the only solution is to walk by the Spirit in chapter 8. So I'm giving you the whole thing like in one go. Now let's unpack it. There's three sections, okay? Uh, there's the first section is what is our relationship to the law? So that's very important. The Christian, what is our standing with the law? The second thing is because he, he knows people who say, oh, but, but so what? What is the law about then? What do we need to, to have the law? So the second part is, is explaining the role of the law. What there is the law. And the last part, this turmoil, it describes how the law reveals our inability to change and the need for a savior. That's why he lands on, oh, wretched man. But thank be to God, you know, the savior is here. Okay? So first part, what kind of relationship Christians have to the law? Jimmy, you could put the passage up if you want. Okay, so I'm not going to read everything. I trust you have read a little bit. It's behind, so if you, you, could, you could check, okay? In this part, Paul explained our relationship to the law by looking at a contrast between the old ways, where we were bound to the law, and living in the flesh with our own nature, and the new way, when we actually bound with Christ. Christ lives in us, and we learn to live by the Spirit. So he's explaining, therefore, our relationship to the law. And he says, look, it's just like marriage. You know, marriage is like a contract. There's obligation in marriage, okay? But this contract, this obligation, they are only valid, they're only bounding to you until your spouse died. You know that, yeah? So if a wife, if your wife's husband died, no longer this person is in a marriage with the husband. Everybody understand that? Yeah? Okay? So he says, in the same way, 
the law applies to you until you die in Christ. You see, when you die in Christ and your old self is gone, you are released from the old husband, the law, and you have no bondage, no obligation to the law. Okay? So he's explaining a little bit more. He says, you know, when the husband dies, a wife, she's released from the marriage legal obligation. Therefore, this wife can, can go on and have a relationship with another man. It wouldn't be called adultery because the first husband is, is, is gone. So just like in marriage, our old self were legally bound to the law, and it is the law who was telling us, your behavior is not right there, you're sinning. Yeah? That's our old self, that's how it was going on. However, when we accepted Christ in, in our life, something happened, our old nature died, and that released us to the law, therefore we have now, a new relationship, not with the law, but with Christ. It's Christ in us who says, that's all the spirit in us who says, hmm, what you're doing there is not quite right. Can you see the difference? Yeah? So I know some of you, I am one of those, are visual learners. So I find a graph who might show you a little bit. Okay. So, and we're going to take a little time. So I'm just posing two or three seconds so you could see this first illustration when the wife and the husband are buying a contract and they have an obligation, what happens is we are bound to the law. The law is revealing in us the sin. And we will see later on the, 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 the fruit of the law is actually death because you realize you can't follow the law and you know that the wedge of sin is death. So that's what happened in your own thing. But then when you find Christ, you died, your old self died. And Christ is in you. Therefore, your relationship is with Christ, is with the Holy Spirit, and not with the law. And therefore, it's Holy Spirit in you who are bearing the good fruit. Can you see that? So it is literally illustrating what happened when you, you were in the realm of the flesh before with a sinful nature. And now, what happened when you live by the Spirit with a new nature? Does it make sense? Yes? Okay, so the application for us immediately is you see, when you want to change, when you realize you struggle with stuff in your life, whether it's sin, whether it's bad habit, whether it's threat of personality who comes from your family or whatever, in the old ways, it's the law who was telling you, wow, that's not good what you're doing, you need to change. Yeah? And, and, and the only reaction is, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner, yeah? That, that, that's what happened. But in the new way, what happened is, it's actually Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who knew, who knew who awakened him and says, oh, when you are, like, when you are doing this, say, where, where is this anger coming from? It's not the law, because there's no condemnation anymore. We'll see chapter eight, okay? But it's actually Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was trying to produce good fruit in you and changes. So he's pointing us gently, not for condemnation. Let's walk together. Let's walk by the Spirit. Let's change our way. Let's, let's make sure that the old is gone, gone, gone. And let's walk on into the new things. So that's the first really important thing to understand. So, what is the role of the law yet? What have we got the law? What the law is still around? What, what are we doing with the law then? Jimmy, you could put the passage behind me. But Paul is 
saying in the following chunks, of course the law is by essence was good and holy. The law was supposed to help us to live in a healthy relationship with God. Okay? Without the law, we would not be aware of sin. We wouldn't know what sin is. And actually, uh, without the law, we would never have known that we were sinners. You know? And he goes on explaining a little bit, and you know, what the law does, you know, it's revealing in our old life our sinful nature and desire. So, for example, if the law says don't covet, you know, uh, don't envy, you know, suddenly you realize, oh, well, sometimes I do that, I'm a sinner. That's what the purpose of the law was. Okay? That's why it says what the law produces in you is actually death. Because what happens is when you realize you cannot do the law and that you are a sinner, then the wage of sin is death. That's what we all fall short of the glory of God, and the wage of sin is death. So the law is made you realize you are a sinner and make you realize, okay? But, but it only produces death in us because. The most important thing the law does is to point to a savior, the need of a savior. Look, by yourself you cannot do it. You cannot do it. You cannot follow all the commandments. Therefore you need a savior. Somebody who would rescue you from the law of sin and death. Yeah? So in our new life, then we are alive in Christ, bound to Christ. We no longer need the written code to, to point out to the Savior because we are now in relationship with the Savior. Okay? And this new relationship is putting in us a new way of the Spirit. And we start to bear the fruit of God through the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's why I would say the main bit of the chapter is clearly the verse... Uh, Five, which I will read for you because it was in the other slide. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful patience arrives by the law. We are at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to watch with elders captive, so that we can serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Okay? You see with me? Okay, so the law, we are released from it. We are released for it so we can have a new relationship with a new husband, which is Jesus. And he's working in us. You know, it's not for nothing, just, it's not in my notes, but it's not for nothing that it says that the Holy Spirit will teach you, guide you, help you. That's why, because he will show you the needed for changes. Okay, there's a work to be done. But it's by his spirit, not through the law. Okay? So we depend on the Holy Spirit for transformation and sanctification. We do not depend on the law pointing at our flaws and condemning us. That's not us anymore. We don't need the law to do that. Okay? Because we've already died to sin. So why point? You know, the law cannot point somebody who is dead. It's dead. And there's nothing who can happen there. 
So we already know and we've already accepted that we need Jesus as Savior, that he has forgiven us, cleansed us, constantly washing us as clean. So we now depend on the Holy Spirit to produce the good fruit in our lives. Can you see? All right? And this is why we do not need to strive for change, but what we need is surrender to him. Let him do the work. Partner with him in putting the good stuff on and getting rid of the old stuff. We partner with him, okay? Um, okay, so you might say, mm, Rachel, very, very good, very good. Thank you very much for that. But what do we do with the last bit? You could put the, 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 the thing on, uh, Jamie, that last passage. You might say, Paul here, you know, is clearly describing a quite gruesome you know, kind of state where there's a man here described who is tormented, enslaved to sin, but aware of the goodness of the law, and that man knows, he, 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 you know, he knows what is good, but he cannot do it. And it looks very much that in that man, the power of sin is controlling him, okay? This is the, 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 what we're reading in the thing. So what do we do with that? Rachel, because that's, how do you reconcile? Well, just say, and, and this bit then. First of all, I think it's very important that you keep in mind, Paul has just made the argument that the law is useless for a Christian. Yes? First, you remember that. And secondly, he did just say that, you know, the role of the law is to reveal sin and produce death. He just said that. Okay, so we keep that in mind when we read the bit. Okay. Now, let's unpack a little bit. Okay. It cannot possibly be talking here, it cannot be Paul talking about himself before his conversion because the whole paragraph is in present tense. So what he would have said past tense. I used to be blah, 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 blah. Yes? So we know it can't really be Paul talking about him before conversion. Okay? Can he be Paul talking about his normal Christian state? I'm asking you. Can he be Paul normal experience of Christian life? Yes or no? The answer is he cannot be, and I'm going to demonstrate it to you. He cannot be the normal state of Paul as a Christian here. Why? Because we have so many accounts where Paul said, I am victorious in Christ. Yes, yeah, sometimes, but I am victorious. Surely he couldn't say that his flesh is overcome by sin and he can have any control. No, the opposite. Paul writes at great extent in all the episodes when it's possible to live by the Spirit and get rid of the old and have the new and be victorious. You get me, yeah? So Paul is not talking about himself now as a Christian. That's pretty obvious to me now. Whoa, what are we talking here? Could it be, could it be describing just a general state of a Christian before conversion? Now, Martin Lodgen says, okay, this is a bit tricky because clearly here it's not completely a non-believer we're talking about. And the reason for that is because Many, many verses here, it says, I want to do, uh, 
I know that in my mind, the law of God is good. Would a believer say that? A believer is not aware that the law of God is good. Okay, so it's clearly someone who is, is awakened, is spiritually, is a little spiritually aware of the spiritual condition of man. That person, he, he has some understanding that the law is good, that God made the law for good. He, he has some kind of awareness. Listen, Martin Lloyd joins <clears throat> after 100 pages of analysis of this chapter, it's literally a whole book, okay, tells us something really important. It says, have you noticed in this struggle about sin, you know, I do what I don't want, la, 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 la. there's a struggle, there's a battle there. In this battle, there's not one mention of the indwelling of Christ. There's no mention of Christ being with him. And there's no mention of Holy Spirit. Did you notice that? There's no mention of that. It's literally the law, the law, the law. I don't do my flesh, my flesh, my flesh. Right? That's how it goes. So the person described here, okay, has been awakened to the spiritual reality of the law, that the law is good. That person want to follow the law. Okay? And guess what? The law kicks in and do exactly his job. The law kicks in and show him, look, you cannot do it. Sin has got a grip over you. You just, the law's doing his job. We just saw the role of the law is to show us we need a savior. And that's what happened. The, Martin Luther is making an illustration there that, you know, Literally, without the spirit, that's what happened. The law still does its job. The law is saying, look, sin is powerful. Sin can have a grip on life, okay? But the law is, is supposed to point out to the Savior, and that's what at the end of this description of the struggle that I cannot do what the law is saying for me to do in my flesh is a battle, blah, 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 blah. He goes... Oh, wretched man, who will rescue this body who is subject to death? I need a savior. The law has done its job. The law has pointed to the savior. And that's why there is release, because then the reality of the gospel kicks in. The reality of the gospel goes, thank be to God for Jesus. Salvation is at hand. Salvation is at hand. So, because if we solely look at the law, okay, even when we want to do good in our mind, we find that flesh can be under the influence of sin, okay? But the solution is at hand. Thanks be to God. And then, immediately you start Romans 8, and it says, very important first verse, it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For the Christian is finished. The gospel is doing his job. Can you see? When we quote this verse, sometimes we diminish the power of this verse. We often say, oh, there is no condemnation. Oh, I just messed up. <laughs> you know, I just messed up. Oh, thank God, there's no condemnation. Yeah? Now it's more powerful than that. Once, forever. It's done. 
is a massive statement here. Never any condemnation. You are divorced for this. All husband, the law. No obligation. No. Now you have you had this cry, and you know that the law cannot do your transformation. It's by the spirit. And then we will see next week, Jamie will explain. It's by walking in the spirit that you get transformed. So this chapter was always, always only about the law to demonstrate the law is ineffective. The law is ineffective. You cannot change by following the law. The law is only pointing to the savior and you need the reality of the gospel to kick in and the Holy Spirit to put, to make you alive and able to walk by the Spirit. Did, did you get it? Yeah? Now, let me address the elephant in the room. Because the reason this passage is so misunderstood is because we know sometimes we struggle with sin, right? Yes? Who struggles with sin sometimes? Yeah? Even if you don't struggle with sin, from time to time you will sin. You see what I'm saying? I'm making nuances there. Yes? Okay? So sometimes Christians have read this passage and feel, oh, oh my gosh, that sounds really like me. There's an inner struggle. Yeah? They feel it's them. Okay? However, this is not how transformation happened. And that passage was not about it was not about there is a battle and we need to be victorious. No, it was not about that. It was about the ineffectiveness of the, 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 the law. So, Jamie, could you put my next, next slide? It's very important that you understand that we are not like in the corner. We are not uh, J. Kyle and Mr. Hyde. The, we are not Afghun and Afghun, you know, this kind of weird thing. And then sometimes there's a battle and who, who knows who's going to win today? You know, it's not that. It's, we have a standing. And us in Christ, which are symbolized with this yellow circle, that's our standing. It's always true. It's always true. I put all the verse. I'm not going to go through everything. It's all, uh, always true that we are set free from the law and sin. And it's always true that we do not live under the rule of sinful nature. We, that means that sin does not dominate us. It might influence our flesh, we will see. But it does not dominate us. Okay, and we have a new heart, we have a new nature, etc., uh, etc. Et and actually, uh, it's very interesting in Romans 8, it described how by the Spirit we put to death some fleshly desires, who can be there, okay, uh, and the Spirit will give us life. And even uh, Galatians 5 explained how living by the Spirit uh, helps us to crucify the affection of the, the flesh, okay. So I'm not saying that there's never any struggle with sin. What I'm saying is, it's not a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. It's not like forever. Literally, the struggle is not your destination. Yes? Some Christians get stuck in that chapter and they think that's their destination for all their life. They will be like, oh, sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm good. And I've got to fight and I've got to be better. Yes? That's not what God says. The destination is victory. The destiny is victory. So the struggle is never your final destination. And guess what? The battle has already been won. Can you, can you, can you, can you see that? So second, uh, uh, next slide, Jimmy. Yes. So basically, what I'm saying is our standing is like on the right dot there. 
we are always perfect, always righteous. We do absolutely, you know, we, 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 that's how God sees us. That's how God sees us. And we are, okay? But I would say experientially, you know, the Holy Spirit is working in us. And, you know, there's things like renew your mind, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of verse in the epistle about get rid of the old, put on the new, uh, focus on what is good. That's because you're collaborating with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is the reality which is in you, the Spirit of God is in you, it started to renew all the aspect in your life which is not so good. But that Jesus still loves, by the way. He loves you completely. He loves you completely. There's no condemnation. But what's happening is you start to walk in a new way. Okay? And these bits are getting gradually renewed. Okay? So yes, a Christian can struggle with sin, but the battle has already won. We are free from the law of sin and death. That means that you can resist the devil and he will flee. You see what I'm saying? Yeah? Because it hasn't got dominion over you. And now, if you're struggling with addiction, which are real, okay? Some, some Christians are still captive in, in some sense. Then you trust God will bring freedom to you because it will happen. It will happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. And actually, right now, this morning, if you are struggling with serious addictions or sexual desire or anything or gluttony, you know, we, it's not just the, the big ones, you know, the small one or anger, you know, if you struggle with it and it's, you find it's always fun, it's a bad. The truth shall set you free if you believe in your heart that you do not have to be a captive. That's the beginning. And that trust God will help you. Okay? You are free from the law and see the dead. You are learning to walk in the spirit. So what you have to do is align yourself with God. You know, align yourself, you know, abide, surrender, okay, learn, learn to do the thing of the spirit, learn to, to literally partner with God so you would produce the good fruit with the spirit, okay, so the, what is very important is we are not compromising on sin, it's possible, I have seen some Christian who, thank God Jesus is my savior, and you look at their life and they're compromising on sin, it's like literally they've chosen to live in their old way, you, you know what I'm saying? So in the reality, they have a new nature, they are new, but it's like sometimes instead of looking this way, getting transformed, they're looking this way and say, ah, I'm still dabbing in that, and I will do that, and I will do that. And the more they do that, the more they feel, oh, I'm not very connected to God. Well, not surprised, because you're looking at the old way, not Christ in you. Does it make sense? Yeah? So, let me just finish by two applications for us. I think this is so important because I'll tell you, this changed my life in my 20s. Okay? Really changed my life. Um, if you know that God's commandments are good, if you know and you are convinced, if you know in your mind that sin is raging in your flesh, and you let it. Okay? There's a, can you see the agreement with sin? If you let sin rage in your flesh, rather than say, 
Holy Spirit transform me. What will happen is you will feel tormented exactly like this man Paul has been described. Because guess what? You are sitting on a fence. Who knows that sitting on the fence is not very comfortable? It's not. In my 20s, I had a period of time where I backslide, right? Uh, properly. And that is exactly how I felt because I knew the truth in my mind, but I was choosing to not let Christ work in me. So I needed to go back and what it is is, uh, 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 it's like you went back to the hold rather than say, Savior, I choose you. You see what I'm saying? So if it's you, there's freedom for you. Just make the choice to have your experience lining with your reality rather than dabbing in the old ways. Okay? Another thing, and I think that's more subtle, and a lot of us do that. If, as Christian, you try to change in your own effort, but not by the Spirit, it's like you're taking your old marriage contract back, and you're doing dealing with the law, and you're enslaving yourself to the law again, the law of sin and death. Do you know why I can say that? Because it's very clearly explained in Galatians, when it says, oh foolish Galatians, you started well by the grace of God, and now you are following the law again, and it's not going to produce any fruit of the Spirit. So this illustration again is for us. If we are trying to change in our own effort, it's like we're collaborating with the old husband, law and obligation. And that is not going to produce the fruit of the spirit. That means again, what is happening there is, uh, you know, your experience is not matching your reality of standing in Christ. Your standing in Christ is your perfect righteous. You, you know, it's a work of grace. And what you're trying in your experience is to merit. And you're trying to, so you go back to the law. In reality, in your standing, you are free from the law of sin and death. And then if you go back to that old thing, you would find yourself in the struggle Paul described. I love God in my mind. I see the good uh, value of the commandment therefore I'm trying by myself to follow the rule and the commandment oh but I can't do it oh but it produced good for a little time but it's not it doesn't work forever and then I'm thinking oh my gosh and it's jolly hard work and I cannot continue I cannot match up to it Therefore, you will find yourself again in torment and condemnation. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Oh, oh my gosh, yesterday I, I lied again. I can't do it. You have gone back to your whole husband of the law. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit work in you and instead of partnering with the Holy Spirit. So, brother and sister, this chapter is about it's impossible to change and be transformed and be Christ-like by following laws and moral codes. Only the Holy Spirit in you can do it. 
only the Holy Spirit can do you do it. Now, today, today, if you struggle with your flesh, if you struggle with your sexual appetite, if you struggle with addiction, if you're tempted by food and drink, if you anything, anything, the only answer is always the same. Christian or not Christian, the answer is always the same. What it is? Repent. Oh, wretched man, repent. Repent. Who will rescue me? Thank be to God. Because that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus died for. He died for. He died for. So if you're not Christian and that's the first time you're realizing it, accept Jesus as your savior. Accept Jesus that he will rescue you from the kingdom of darkness and the Holy Spirit will transform you. It will change you. Suddenly, you're going to find that you have appetite for good. Suddenly, things that you were doing, you can no longer do. Because he's in you. He will be in you and he will help you to change. And now if you're a Christian and you struggle, remind yourself you're standing. Remind yourself you're standing. The fight of a sin is not an equal one. You're not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You've received a new nature. That means you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. So you can learn to live the spirit and walk with him and he will help you to put on the new does it make sense okay let's let's close our eyes for a minute i know there's a lot in there let's close our eyes oh jesus jesus we need you jesus we Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Whoa. Just pray, Lord, for this truth, Lord, to go down in our heart. That our relationship is with Jesus now. Our relationship is with Jesus now. Pray, Holy Spirit, drum in our heart and breathe down, 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 so we would know that sin does not have any dominion over us, that we can say no, we can resist. Okay? And just pray, Holy Spirit, come and transform us from within. Produce the fruit. Produce the fruit. We say yes and amen to collaborating with you, to partner with you, to renew our mind, to not do the whole thing, not going back to the vomit we once, uh, you know, were <coughs> dealing with. But Lord Jesus, we pray for new ways of thinking to come. And Lord, most of all, I just pray, God, that you would show the power of your gospel. The, the power of your gospel. That once and for all, we have been free, freed from the law. Freed from the law. Whoa. Father God. Jesus. We're just going to stay 30 minutes quiet. Just if you have, if you need to repent of stuff, you do. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. Repenting is changing your mind. Changing your mind. This is no longer something I want to do or think. 
this is no longer something I want to live with. Father God, I give it to you. Come and change me within. Give me an appetite for good. Father, give me faith and hope. Your ways, Lord, your ways are so amazing. <laughs> your ways is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, that victory is for us, that we do not have to live in the struggle. A victory is for us, that you are far superior, far superior in our life than any kind of work of the enemy. You are far more superior, far more superior. And we say, God, reign in our life, rules in our life, rule in our life, Jesus. I say, oh, in the name of Jesus, we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys.